Hey everybody, this is Marge and Ariel here from Subrosa Sound, and it's kind of hard to ignore all of the current events going on in our country and the impacts that they're having at a global level. Um, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, are sort of looking at the news constantly and and feeling a sense of deep unease about the fate of our country, and also probably some anger about how long these problems have actually been lurking beneath us, um, and they finally spilled forward um, in the last week or so. So we wanted to take a moment to address what's going on in the world. We feel like there's no way that we can kind of move forward unless we talk about it. So we're still on our hiatus for um, our season, which is coming up very soon, but um, we're taking this as an exception just to process and decompress and, you know, work through what we're feeling. So how are you doing, Ariel? Oh, it sucks. I listened to a podcast episode that Conan O'Brien did with Ron Reagan Jr., one of the responses that Ron Reagan Jr. gave, I thought, was a perfect encapsulation of how a lot of people are feeling right now, which is actually something that he responded to when people were talking about Obama when Obama first got voted into office. He said someone asked him, do you think if Obama gets elected, that means that racism is over in America? And he said, no, once Obama is elected, we will find out exactly how racist our country actually is. And I appreciate that so much because one of the main responses from people of color and really marginalized people in this country, every time a politician like Biden says, this is not our country, this is not who we are, that shows a very blatant mischaracterization and lie about this country. I think it's foolish to continue telling ourselves that this is not who we are because this is exactly who we are. It's been who we have been. It's the reason why someone like Trump, who started out his political career questioning Obama's citizenship, was what got him elected in the presidential election in 2016 and is part of why people are reacting the way they are right now. And then if you look at the police response to white terrorists storming the Capitol building versus how they respond to Black Lives Matter protesters who are unarmed for the most part and not causing violence against other people, or for the most part, even against businesses, you know, compare the response of the police to that versus actual terrorists putting pipe bombs in our Capitol building and bringing arms into the capital of our country, into the state capital. I mean, that's just, this is who we are. And the longer all y'all white people <laughs> out there Keep saying this is not, I think you're not looking at the things for what they are. You're not yeah. taking in what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's a reckoning for sure that um, the double standards with the, the protest that we've seen over the past, the past year, because this wasn't a protest. This was an attempted coup. This was an insurrection. And yet it was being treated as somehow less serious 
or like less dangerous than the like mostly peaceful protests we saw over the summer. You know, the hypocrisy of even well-intentioned people um, is, is astounding. And yeah, it's really frustrating to hear like probably well-intentioned people, but still like very misguided people saying like, this is not who we are. It's like, maybe it's not who you want to be, but it's who we are right now. And mm-hmm. like, maybe <laughs> like turn your disillusionment into something productive instead of, you know, wringing your hands and going like, oh no. But yeah, I, I think my biggest worry is that moving forward from here, like the people who are in power now are also the people who are saying like, oh, this isn't who we are. We need people in power to like sort of more aggressively say like, no, this is who we are. And we need to do a lot of work to undo it. Yeah. And to move forward. It, it will be devastating to this country if we just return to the status quo if the like so-called silent majority gets to keep feeling like they are in the majority when they should be, you know, basically run out of town on a rail. Yeah. I mean, there's still an inauguration and there are planned protests online with people saying exactly what they plan on doing which is what they did for this. This was planned completely out in the open. I know we can expect more violence in the future. And what I want the politicians in office to do is try to reconcile their own part. I mean, you have people like Dick Cheney who are condemning what's happening right now. But let's be real here. Dick Cheney was every part of building the infrastructure for something like this to happen. And If he can't see it, you know, that's his problem. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have to take some sort of responsibility for what they did. And and something that has been a part of the Republican Party for a really long time. The media managing, the reality managing and manipulation of the right-wing media has been pervasive and it's still going on and nobody really seems to be questioning that part of the contribution but whatever the intention is of the people who are at the receiving end of this like at some point you have to accept responsibility for the consequences of what happened you know say maybe i didn't intend or didn't want there to be an insurrection in the capitol building but i certainly voted for trump for whatever reason, which is what led to this. Like, even if your responsibility and the consequences for it is just feeling bad about it, you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who I heard say this recently, but it kind of, like, stuck with me. Um, Like, you're not responsible for the first thought that pops into your head because that's society, like, ingrained in you, but you are responsible for everything that happens after that. Um, so like, if it's like the knee jerk reaction to like, you know, look for someone outside yourself to, to blame, um, rather than looking at like societal structural stuff for like why you didn't get what you want. Um, or like if it's your first instinct to like, you know, get up in someone's face and like be aggressive when you're not getting your way, like that doesn't inherently make you a bad person, but we've seen a lot of people 
acting on those like worst impulses. Um, and that's kind of how yeah. the cult got started where like, rather than, you know, taking collective responsibility for making things better, it's more like looking for someone to blame and looking for someone to attack. And like, you know, you put a bully at the, the forefront of a movement like that, and this is what you're going to get. Um, and anybody that supported it, yeah. even if it was coming from a place of feeling vulnerable or feeling like feeling powerless, like you're responsible for those decisions that you made. You don't you don't get, you know, just a yeah. carte blanche do over because you're like, whoopsie. Like you made those choices yeah. because you liked seeing somebody being aggressive toward people that you viewed as your opponent. And this is where it gets us. But if you're someone who has wronged or done something wrong, like you might not be forgiven by the people you've wronged. But if you want to show any or if, or if you want to feel better, I think actually going through the steps of feeling remorse and accepting responsibility, it's going to suck immediately. But in the long run, that's the only path to getting becoming better people. You know, and I'm also asking some of the, you know, frankly, some of the most toxic people out there when it comes to the cancel culture that we do have right now. I mean, it's it's hard, but I think the worst impulses that people can have yeah. is to continue toxicity and anger and fear in a way that doesn't produce positive action it doesn't mean we don't feel those things and we don't take the time for ourselves to feel those things but when it comes to taking action need to be better and it's not painting ourselves as already good people it's saying yeah we as a country right now are fucking up all over the place and we need to not be doing what we're doing right now we all could probably stand to do a better job of embracing the work of positive change. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's a process. It's not necessarily that you were like just born an inherently good person. You've never done anything wrong in your life because that's true of basically nobody. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like things have gotten so toxic um, and boiled over here that, you know, you can't have forgiveness and healing without accountability. Yeah. But that's, a big challenge for people who are already acting this way because they, they feel wronged and that doesn't excuse any of it. Like that compounds it if anything, but that's, that makes the challenge of healing and moving forward all the more difficult because I honestly don't think that anybody who was there um, is going to feel remorse. Yeah. It has to come from leadership you know, at the top, whatever that means. So if it's, you know, and I'm not talking just the politicians who get voted in, but if you're the pastor of a church or if you are a community leader of some sort. If you're a parent. If you're a parent. You know, one of the things that I was thinking is we, so Lewis and I have been going through, um, all of the Star Wars movies. And we watched episode nine 
last night, which is when the rebellion goes and fights the fleet of the First Order. And the thing that struck me the most when I was watching that scene was, I am positive the rebels are exactly who these people thought they were. Yeah. That they were rebels fighting the First Order that stole the election away from them. And that gave me such a feeling of, like, not anger at them and what they did, although I think that probably a lot of these people, whoever was saying whatever, they would have found a way to stick to the beliefs that they had in the first place. But I don't think half the nation made its decision based on good information. Because there a lot of these bad acts are being done for things that are completely untrue. And that's on them for making the decision to act the way they did. But we can't stop it there. We have to look at Fox News Media and what they've been doing. We have to look at the Alex Joneses of the world. And I think this is a big pitfall of capitalism, too. If you're living in a system where the only indicator of success is how much money you're making, well, people like Alex Jones are great and are mm-hmm. capitalistic morals. Yeah. You know, sure, he's making his money off of spewing lies and the very lies that created a an alternate reality for people who probably are suffering and vulnerable. And that can't be excused. Yeah. And that is the, again, when you look at who we are as a country, that is who we are as a country. Yeah. People think Alex Jones is great because he's making money. Yeah, it's like the the fundamental rot at the core of American culture and society that one, I mean, this is true of everybody around the world, like everybody's Luke Luke Skywalker, like no one's Darth Vader, like everybody's Luke Skywalker, like regardless of like what you're up to, like you are the hero of your own story. And you were on the hero's journey, and you're going to fight the bad guy, whoever that is. And you're going to win because you're the hero. And, like, the two things that we get just super, super wrong in America is one that, like, you know, having, like, money is power and having money means that you've won against the bad guy. And two... For how much we call ourselves a Christian nation, like, Christians are supposed to believe that wealth is what buys you a ticket straight to hell. Yep. And yet here we are, a Christian nation who values wealth as a moral, as, as a sign of moral goodness. Yeah, it's, it's anyway, super it's damning. Hard. It's really, really hard to like even see how to dig ourselves out of that. The other thing is just that like we do not do collective responsibility very well at all. Like individualism and exceptionalism, like we haven't really been forced to reckon with it at a national level until probably right now the you know like like the the one side of it is like the like the toxic like bootstrap mentality where if you're just if you just work hard enough and you're good enough you can succeed and if you aren't succeeding then it's because you're lazy even though like systemic inequality is like rampant 
in our society. And then two, like, like the other side of that is that no one is going to take responsibility for what happened last week. Because like, we're not all like, we don't feel responsible for what happened. Yeah. As a society where like, this is everybody's problem. Like whether you wanted it to be or not, this is everybody's problem. Like we can point yeah. to the people who did it, but like this has been going on for well beyond the four years that Trump has been in office. And like every time they said they were gonna, it's like, nah, they won't. And then it's like, no, but they said they were gonna. Nah, they're just they're just blowing off steam. They said they're gonna. And like it just like every time like we act so surprised when something like this happens and like all the signs were there. They said they were going to. Yeah. There were people when Trump first started running and then first got elected who said, oh, no, (laughs) this is going to be really bad. And then there were a bunch of people who were like, no, we should give him a chance. It's like, no, we shouldn't have given him a chance. And while I understand the reasoning for why people said, oh, we need to give him a chance, I don't think that... They realized just what that was going to mean. The writing was on the wall from day one if you knew how to read it. Yeah. At any rate, we hope that you are all finding some kind of comfort and peace in these very, very challenging times. But we have to stay vigilant and we have to stay engaged and we can't allow this to continue Hope you're safe and well. Yeah. We'll see you when our first season starts. Or second season. What are we? What is time? It's been so long. Uh, Yeah. Come February, we'll see you guys then. We've got lots of great albums that we've been listening to in 2020. And we can't wait to share them with you. So good news on the way. But for now, stay safe. Stay healthy. Take care. See you on the... We'll see you on the other side of the inauguration, if we're still here. Godspeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather round. The circus is coming back to town. Pack a lunch. I have a feeling this is going to be a long one. Thanks for listening to the Sobrosa Sound Podcast. This episode was engineered by Margaret Jones and Ariel Wang in their own homes and edited by Ariel Wang. For more information on our podcast and concert series, go to subrosasound.org or find us on social media at subrosasound. The outro music is The Clown, a remix by Cosonosa Strings, and the intro music is by Carissa McCulley. We'll see you next time. This night air, they hunt in packs, killers trained and strapped, they never fight fair. Strangle a man for nothing, give the camera that dead eye glare. Animals on hind legs like a circus in a nightmare. Except when you open your eyes, surprise the clown is standing right there. In a White House, spewing lies out, got the planet feeling quite scared. A psychopathic ringmaster, orange skin and toupee. But the dangers in the groupies who do whatever the fucking dudes say. Who let the clown take the wheel?